Ministry Mentorship, Episode 22. Hello and welcome to this episode of Ministry Mentorship. This is Jacob Tapia and you are listening to a podcast dedicated to connecting apostolic leaders with young people for the purpose of helping them develop in their ministries. Before we get started with today's episode, I'd like to remind you to check out our podcast on iTunes and you can go to ministrymentorship.com backslash podcast and find more information there. You can also help us spread the word about ministry mentorship by liking our Facebook page or retweeting this interview. Your help is greatly appreciated as we endeavor to connect apostolic leaders with young people. Also, don't forget to make plans to watch our Ministry Mentorship Live Bible Study on Tuesday, November 26th at 7.30 p.m. Central Standard Time. The participants for this Bible study include myself, Angela Harwood, Micah Wisdom, and special guest Lori Wagner. In this episode, we're going to be talking with evangelists Andrew and Janelle Romine. The Romines recently served as campus pastors at Indiana Bible College, and they are now traveling full-time across the U.S. preaching and teaching the gospel. They're a tremendous couple who have a deep love for God and a commitment to Christ, and I know that you're going to be blessed and challenged by this interview. Let's join the conversation now. We're glad to have Andrew and Janelle Romine with us today, and they have served as campus pastor at IBC uh, for five years, and that's where I first met them. And, and then after they left IBC, they've evangelized for the last three years and uh, just great people of God, very talented and gifted. Andrew and Janelle, thank you for joining us today. Thank you for this opportunity. Now, tell us a little bit of your background. Uh, yeah, I'm 33 years old. I was born and raised in Indianapolis, Indiana, and I was born into a great apostolic home. I um, am fourth-generation Pentecostal, apostolic, and even fourth-generation at my home church there, Calvary Tabernacle, where uh, I is my pastor. I uh, grew up in church, went to the Christian school there all the way through, and um, started going to Bible college in, I think, 1997, graduated there in 2001. And I've been in full-time ministry since 2001, met my wife and got married in 2003. Uh, but there was a lot of details, of course, along the way that led up to all of that. But just been trusting God, and it's been an incredible journey. Janelle, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, uh, our stories are very similar. I was raised in church. I was born in Lansing, Michigan, and lived there till I was 12. And then we went and spent two years of ministry in Des Moines, Iowa, before my dad took a church in Pinckneyville, Illinois. And we lived there for 10 years. Um, and that's where I met my husband. But I, too, have a wonderful heritage. And our stories were, we grew up much the same way. So, um, we're very blessed that way. Now, you both have been involved in full-time ministry for several years. Talk about when you first felt God leading you into ministry. You know, 
I would have to say it was as a child. I grew up in a home where my parents gave me an incredible love for the Word of God and respect for the ministry. And as a young child, uh, my pastor was Brother James Larson, who stood, you know, taller than most people, and he was literally a giant in my eyes. And I idolized the preacher. I can remember the impact he had just sitting in the prayer room and uh, watching him pray. And then, of course, when I was eight years old, Brother Mooney came to our church and became my pastor. I received the Holy Ghost at eight years old, and I remember the day I received the Holy Ghost. In my mind, I was thinking, okay, now I can really be a preacher. And so it was something very unique that God put in my heart at a young age. But I would have to say it was at 14, uh, January 1994, we were, um, the pastor had called an all-night prayer meeting for our men, and I spent the night at church, and that was where I really committed. And from that point, never looked back, that, okay, I'm going to be in the ministry, not sure exactly all the details and what capacity, but I, I really gave my heart to God at age 14. And that's something that really stands out to me today whenever we're privileged to be around youth events, youth weeks, camps, and other things. Is When I look out there, I see myself sitting on those pews, and uh, I know God calls people at all different stages, but that's sort of my story. Janelle, tell us a little bit about your your uh, God's leading in your life. Well, um, I know it sounds it's going to sound cliche, but I don't ever remember not feeling led into the ministry. Um, being raised in a preacher's home, I think it was just part of me. It was just who we were, and I dedicated my life to the Lord when I was very young, and all I ever wanted to do with my life was be in the ministry. <laughs> I was one of those kids, and I never. I don't ever remember having those rebellious years. I'm very blessed that way. And my parents, they were always encouraging my sisters and I to be involved in whatever we could be involved in. And they wanted us to be at as many camps and conferences and conventions as we could be at. And um, I remember one year at General Conference sitting there and we were having an incredible service. And I remember praying right there as a young girl, and I said, God, I wish this was my life. I wish I could be in church all the time. Wow. And I think God definitely answered that prayer in my life because we are in church all the time. And I wouldn't, Amen. I wouldn't trade it for anything. Wow, that's that's great. You know, I think looking back on my own life, and in fact, I was thinking about this today. It was in 1995 at a general conference that I in Iowa, actually Des Moines, Iowa that I felt mm-hmm. God speak to me and, and call me into the ministry. And there's something about though that time, that those moments when God speaks to you that you just never forget it and it kind of becomes uh, like, a, yeah. like a lighthouse in your life. Andrew, what was the first step for you in ministry? Well, it was not preaching Sunday night service, that's for sure. Um, <laughs> In fact, the first sermon I ever preached, I was I was just a kid, and it was at a nursing home. 
And uh, I can still remember how nervous I was. I prepared a sermon, and I think it was finished in two minutes, and I'd said everything I could think of. But for me, the first steps in ministry were working around the church. I love the church. My parents uh, have probably the heaviest influences in my in my life, of course. They were servants. They were always at the church. They were always working. And I sort of, I guess I picked that up. It was, it was a natural thing. And the first official job I ever did at our church was I had to clean all of the oak trim in the church, which if you've ever been at the church in <laughs> yeah. Catholic, there's a ton of it. Oh, and wow. I had to polish it. it, it I, I think it took me two weeks to probably go through the whole church. And I, I couldn't have been more than 12 years old, but, uh, the the custodian at the church, you know, asked me if I wanted a job, and I did. And from there, it just sort of it just sort of became natural. I, I spent a lot of free time there and would hang out, volunteer. And really, that's that's probably one of the things I could recommend people to do. Just whatever you find to do, do. But when I was fourteen, I started playing the piano, and it, it just happened automatically. Our uh, youth group had church, its own service, twice a week, and our youth pastor's wife at the time uh, had a baby and could not play for service, and so I, I became the fallback guy, and I wasn't very good, but I learned a lot there, and from there, my music ministry sort of took off, and I was heavily involved in music ministry my teenage years, all the way through Bible college, and uh, of course, that opened a lot of doors for me. But I always knew that my calling was to be a preacher. And I think that's important to understand the difference between a gift and a calling. And a gifting is something God gives you that you use for the kingdom of God, but don't lose sight of the calling that he puts in your heart. And I would I would say though, you know, it was just it was just getting involved, working around the church, um, some of the greatest times of my life. Janelle, what about you? What was your first step in ministry? Well, um, I was always involved in my church, um, singing and, and part of the music and the youth and everything. Um, when I was young, my parents, they their job was to clean the church every week. And we would go to the church and they would give us jobs too, my sisters and I. And um, so we would have odd jobs to do around the church. And so I grew up just always being there at the church. And when I was older, I was very involved with our youth group on the youth team. And I also decided that our church needed a choir. So I started a church choir and um, led that. When I was 18, I met Brother Mark Catabaugh at, uh, because of the time I knew. And he invited me to go on youth on missions, and they were going to South Africa. And I thought that sounded wonderful. So I went I decided to go and went on youth on missions and fell in love with missions. And not just missions, but just the ministry. I fell in love with that. And the next year I went with the same group to Spain and Portugal. And um, so that was kind of just my my life. And then the next year I met my husband and uh, was planning a wedding. So... um, 
And then when I married him, he was already in full-time ministry. So when I got married, I kind of just hit the ground running. <laughs> wow. You know, you know, it's amazing to me, and, and you guys are, are definitely not the first people that have talked about you know, just being involved with whether it's music or, or cleaning or just serving. And, and I think it's, it's kind of a universal thing. And I, I think of my own, when I grew up in Minnesota, my grandfather would, I would help him clean the church and the same thing, Andrew, those, those ornate old pews that had all this, you know, and you had, you had to do it. I mean, you had to do every one of them or you just, it wasn't, you couldn't leave. So, you know, that's a great, that's a great foundation. Now, Janelle, Janelle, talk to us a little bit about some of the challenges that you have faced as as a lady in ministry. Well, I think everyone faces different challenges depending on what aspect of ministry or area of minister, ministry that you're in. Um, for me, as an evangelist wife, uh, you know, we never really have a set schedule. And so um, one of the challenges would be balancing my time and, you know, not letting the day go by without sitting down and reading my Bible or spending time in prayer, you know, just getting that one-on-one time with God. And that's a big challenge. But one of my biggest challenges, and I think probably for most women in ministry, is finding your identity or rather your specific purpose and doing so without it being separate from your husband's ministry. And I think probably a solution would be to have your own devotion and your own time with God, that alone time with God. And then finding something that you're passionate about and figuring out how how you can use it in ministry. You know, just not getting lost. Um, But, you know, we, as women, we need to be ministers also. And um, I think just balancing that, that, you know... (laughs) supporting your husband's ministry and then feeling like, you know, you need to have your own ministry also. Absolutely. Well, that's great. That really is great. I think it is more difficult at times for, for women. And even, even in, you know, we, we kind of have expectations sometimes uh, for what a lady, you know, should be and how she should operate. And, and that's one of the battles that I know sometimes ministers, wives can have, especially when you're traveling around is is what are people's expectations of me and and how that changes have you experienced that yes i think there's what they would consider the perfect evangelist wife you know that can get up and sing and then and then play and i'm thankful that i do sing because i think i would feel bad sometimes if we walked into a church <laughs> and the first thing they said was are you going to sing <laughs> And I love to do that because that is, I feel, my ministry. I love to do that. But I think beyond that, you you need to have something that fulfills you in ministry. Andrew, any comments you want to make on that? Well, let me just say this. My wife does a phenomenal job, but I could see where many many women would struggle with the same thing. But I would reiterate probably what she has said. I think everybody has to have their purpose where they're fulfilled and whatever that is. If if a minister's wife is singing just because she feels the pressure of it, 
probably a little easier to get frustration uh, in ministry. But if, if you know you're fulfilled in your purpose, whether that's teaching Bible studies, uh, intercessory prayer, working with people in the altars, I think you're going to, you know, walk with a greater confidence that you're doing what God wants you to do. Yeah, for sure. Amen. This is great, guys. I appreciate you being open about this, and, and these are real real challenges, and not just for married people, but also unmarried. You know, you've got single women that right. are that are trying to find their yeah. place, too, that may feel, you know, God has called me to preach, or, you know, I feel like this pull to be in ministry, but yet I'm not married, and how do I deal with that? Any Any thoughts on that? Um, I, I was looking at a picture, I think it was yesterday, and it was my great-grandfather, Lloyd Romine, was a minister, ordained minister with the PAJC in 1934, and I was looking at his ordination certificate, I had a photo of it on my iPad, and I noticed the subtitle on the ordination certificate where it says that he was ordained to baptize and perform weddings, etc. It said, women may perform baptisms in case of emergency. <laughs> and I laughed at that a little bit because I think we've come a long way. And, you know, I think it's, it's the doors are probably a little wider open. The opportunity is great. And women are able to find their place in ministry and really be obedient to their true calling. But there, there is probably some difficulties that they have to have that they're going to have that, you know, maybe I didn't have. But I think if you, if God calls you, God's going to bring it to pass and just trust God's timing and do what you know is right to do. And, and that would be my advice to them, you know, um, uh, God's going to open those doors. And, and, and just in reference to that subtitle, I think our culture and our community, we're in a case of emergency. And we need every minister that we can get, no matter how old or how young, male or female. We need preachers. We need Bible teachers. We need people in the ministry today. Amen. That is so true. So true. Andrew, talk to us a little bit about the process that you go through as you prepare a sermon or prepare to preach a message. Well, I think every preacher would probably feel the same in that, you know, I don't consider myself a great minister, but there is a confidence that you you have when you mature in the faith that it's not in your ability, it's in God's ability and God's anointing in you. That being said, uh, I think, you know, there are things that that we can do and we should do. For me personally, I would say it's, it's probably more of a natural, organic process. I believe very strongly that every, every preacher must have a devotional life, reading your Bible, praying, and probably 90% of every sermon I, I have, I get, comes from that time right there, just reading through the Word, get a thought. I keep a journal. 
every question, every idea, every thought, I write down in that journal. If I see something I've heard a thousand times, but it just inspires me, I'll write it down. And a lot of times I end up seeing things I've never seen before. And then usually in prayer, I'm going to feel an impression and then inspiration by the Holy Ghost, and I'll build a sermon from there. So that's sort of where where the, the birthing process takes place. But I think some practical things that I would ask is, number one, what does God want me to say? What does God want me to say? Am I preaching to the church? Am I preaching to youth? And I think that would be the setting. I think that would dictate sometimes a little bit of what God's going to want me to say. And that was number two. I would consider my setting. And then number three, how am I going to say it? And, uh, you know, that's sort of a practical process for me. What does God want me to say? Consider the setting. Then how am I going to say that? Because I may say, you know, I'm going to say something different if I'm preaching to 12-year-olds versus preaching to 50-year-olds. Right. But I'm saying the same thing. Right. I heard a quote one time, though, says, read yourself full and preach yourself empty. And I think when you have nothing to say, it's because you haven't been exposing yourself to enough things. And sometimes we go through seasons, but usually that means we need to start reading and praying more and reading outside of our, outside of ourselves. You know, I just, to throw this in for good measure, there are, there have been many times when I have preached and I have said that was without fail the worst sermon that I have ever preached in my life. And, and someone would indefinitely come up and just say, man, that was amazing. You know, thank you. That just ministered to me. You know, absolutely. what what do you, what, what goes through your mind when you, when you hear that? Um, well, for me, I think it happens every week. And my wife is probably seeing the human side of me because, uh, that I, I and I say that I say that tongue in cheek, but I do say that a little bit sincere because there are a lot of times where you think, "Man, that was just horrible." But then somebody comes up and says, "You know that 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 changed my life," and the word will not return void. Um, yeah. There are times where you may feel you preach better than other times, but if number one, the rule is preach the word. Don't preach your opinions. Don't preach your ideas. You're not a comedian. You're not a just a storyteller. You're a preacher. You use comedy. You use illustrations, but you're a preacher, and the word will not return void. So people come up, and it, it just—I think for me, it reminds me of how how small I am, <laughs> and how big God is, and it's really awesome to be a part of that. Now, Janelle, I'm sure you've probably experienced that too with your singing and, and been times where you're just like, wow, that was, you know, how did it sound out there? Because up here it sounded crazy or, or whatever. I mean, ha- does that happen? Yes. Yes, that happens often, actually. <laughs> um, yeah, you'll get up to sing and, and you feel like everyone is just like, sometimes you feel like you're looking out and one person's just sitting there chewing gum, the other person is... <laughs> you know, playing with their child, and, and you think, is anyone getting this right now? Mm-hmm. But then after church, you have people come up and say, you know, that song really spoke to me. So, yeah, the same thing. <laughs> Talk a little bit from your experiences about transition. Now, you've, you've 
been at IBC and, and you've evangelized before that. You went to IBC and now you're evangelizing again. Talk about those transition times and how God uses them to shape our lives. Well, every transition that Andrew and I have made has been difficult simply because things were going well when God told us it's time to move on. Um, When we quit evangelizing to go work at IBC, and then when we left IBC and started traveling again, it was difficult because things were going so well. Um, Transition is never easy, but when you know with all your heart that you're in the will of God, then what else is there to do? And when you face hard times, then you still have the peace because you know that you're still in God's will. Amen. That's great. Andrew, any thoughts on that? Yes, I would say because of the conditions, transition can be, I think, the most, some of the most, if not the most dangerous times in our lives, simply because we're so vulnerable. And I think we have to, number one, realize that we're not invincible. We have to keep a humble spirit. Sometimes transitions happen because, not because of the will of God, but sometimes it happens simply because of our human pride. And then there's other times where it is a will of God thing, and that's what you want to get at. I heard a quote one time, somebody said, life is not what happens to us as much as how we respond to what happens to us. And there's going to be transitions. Everybody's going to have to go through transitions. And I think who you are is not determined by the transition as much as how you respond in the transition. My pastor always told me, never make lateral moves. You know, problems are the same everywhere you go. People are the same everywhere you go. So don't just move just for the sake of moving, but, you know, really make sure that this is a God thing. And then... As my wife already stated, I sort of made it a a prayer of mine that, God, I don't ever want to have to leave when things are bad. I always want it to be good because I know when things are going at their best, that's when it's the hardest to leave. But yet that's when you really know, no, God has called me to do that. It's easy to step out in faith, quote unquote, and to go take a full-time, full-salary job in ministry somewhere, but it's harder step out in faith when you're very comfortable, have a full-time salary, and then you step out not knowing what's going to happen. And I think, uh, you know, there's a strength that comes from that, living by faith, just trusting God. And transitions will really shape you. For me, in my life, going way back, I would, anybody going through transitions right now, I'd say one of the most important things in your life is to stay submitted submitted to God, but submitted to spiritual authority in your life, your pastor. God will use those people. And uh, I had to bite my tongue. I had to do things sometimes I didn't think were right, but looking back, they were right. And it made me better for that. I learned some big lessons and transitions in my life. But now we're evangelizing, and I would say this, as, as you probably would concur, there is a peace that comes from knowing that God's taking care of us right now in the evangelistic field. Uh, we don't worry about anything because I know God's going to take care of it. I, I work for Him. He, he's He's in control. And uh, 
there's a peace that comes spiritually and mentally, just saying, God, okay, you've got to work this out. I probably never would have had that in my life if I was always at a place where those securities remained. But once those securities dissolve or leave or you step out of them, you really have to trust God. So it's taught me faith and transitions when it's a God thing be the greatest thing that could ever happen in your life. You know, evangelizing is so is such a unique experience. And my wife and I have evangelized for several years. And when I first graduated from Gateway, I evangelized. That's where I met my wife in Indiana. Uh, but it's a unique experience because I would have my tax preparer, he would ask me, he would say, uh, you know, so how much, you know, did you make, obviously? And, and then it's like, well, how much do you expect to make the next year? And, and how much, yeah. you know, how much do you get paid every week? And, you know, what's the yeah. set? And you're just like, well, um, actually, I get paid whatever they give me. Right. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> and, yeah. you know, that is that is a scary place at times. But, you know, when like you said, when you're doing the will of God, when you know that you're in God's will, those things don't seem to matter as much. And yeah, and, and, it, right. and you really sense the blessing of God in your life. What advice would you give a young person who feels a call into ministry? Number one, don't fight it. Don't run from it. Learn to respond to it and yield to it, because if you fight it and you run from it, you're going to live a frustrated life for the rest of your life. You'll never have peace, no matter what you do, when God's calls upon you. That being said, I, I go back to what I stated earlier. You've got to learn to submit yourself, submit yourself to the call of God, the will of God, purpose of God in your life, and submit yourself to your spiritual authority. It's a lesson I learned at a young age. And, of course, i I learned it from my pastor and my parents, but really it was my youth pastor, Brent Brosom, in the 90s that really drilled it into me. And had he not put that principle inside of me, I probably would have gone astray many times. But I kept myself submitted, and that had every t everything to do with the direction that I was able to go in my ministry. I would also say... You've got to have a personal walk with God. I know it sounds cliche, but you've got to have a walk with God. Somewhere along the line, if you're not learning to read your Bible, to pray, to fast, be faithful, be a man, a woman of character, uh, have an undying love for the truth, a conviction for truth, uh, if you don't have those fundamental things, you immediately... There's a, there's a cap on, a limit on how much God needs you and God will, will use you. You'll have a shelf life. But when you have a walk with God and you become a student of the Word, you've got to be a student of the Word. There's many things you could do, you know. There's a lot of resources out there. There's a lot of different ways for people to get involved in ministry, from going on youth on mission trips to getting involved in different, uh, different aspects in your local church. You know, for me, I would highly encourage and recommend Bible College uh, if a student has talked with their pastor 
you know, when he was agreeing in that, it, it changed my life. It had a huge impact imprint on my life. So I speak only from experience. But maybe somebody's past that. You know, there's other things. There's other opportunities out there, Purpose Institute, other different ways to go about it. But somehow you have got to become a student of the Word, whether it's through Bible college or not. You've got to become a student of the Word. Um, God will use those who take responsibility when nobody is watching. And that was the biggest thing, I think, that I learned from the life of David was, you know, David didn't just walk out one day and slay a giant. He didn't just walk into Saul's court and begin playing beautiful on the harp. But when nobody was watching, he was on the backside of a mountain praying, writing songs, killing lions and bears, and uh, perfecting his instrument. And so when you take responsibility when nobody's watching, God will open the doors for you. And, uh, you know, the, the guy that's looking for a pulpit is probably not the guy that needs to preach. But when you do what's right, a pulpit will come to you uh, in due time. And then get involved. they got to get involved now. You know, don't wait till your pastor asks you to preach Sunday night because it's not going to happen. Start start a bus ministry. Start teaching Bible study. Do outreach. Claim the church. You know, volunteer. Get involved somewhere. And uh, God can use you. Amen. Janelle, any any advice that you would give a young person that feels a call into ministry? Well, I say ditto to everything my husband said. And, um, you know, don't wait until you have a specific call on your life. Find what needs to be done right now and do it diligently with all your heart. Amen. Um, and most importantly, submit yourself to your pastor and your authority, because they're your spiritual umbrella. They're your protection. And also, align yourself with peers and friends that challenge you to be a better Christian. You know, be around yeah. people that uplift you and challenge you, because the friends that we have in our life, um, the most important people to us are the people that challenge us to do better and to be better. Amen. Janelle, real quick, just talk to us about how, now it seems like it's easy for a guy that, you know, is involved in ministry and, and he could go to conferences or camp meetings and it seems like there's a lot of preachers around, ministers that he could talk to, but what about what about a lady? How does a lady that feels led into ministry, how does she connect with mentors and and people that can speak into her life? I think you have to put yourself in their path. You know, I don't think that necessarily people are just going to come up to you out of the blue and just start speaking over you. You know, sometimes you have to put yourself in, in their path, you know, tell them, I really look up to you and I, and I, I want to glean from you. Do you have any advice for me? I mean, I think it's dangerous when we just start seeking out people to give us a prophetic word, you know, at every camp and conference we go to. But when you are purposely seeking that out and, you know, being transparent with people, yeah, you just have to be purposeful about it, about seeking out a mentor. Absolutely. I wonder in closing, 
if if each of you could just say a prayer over that young person that feels a call to ministry. Lord, I thank you today for the blessing and the opportunity of your salvation, for giving us a gift that's greater than anything we could ever find in this world. I pray today, God, for that student out there, that young person, that young minister, young lady, right now, that feels a call of God on their life, that feels the burden of the kingdom in their life. I pray that your anointing would surround them. I pray that their desire for you would be genuine, that it would grow. I pray that there would be a love inside of them, a love for your word, a love for you, a love for your name. And I pray that you would put the right reinforcements and parameters in their life, that they would seek your word, that they would seek your body, and that they would seek your ways. And I pray, Lord, that you would just give them strength right now, in Jesus' name. Amen. And Lord, I pray for every young person that is feeling your call. I pray that you would give them wisdom and understanding But not only that, God, I pray that you would help them to have a humble and a submissive spirit. Lord, I pray you would protect them from worldly desires that will try to distract them from your call. Give them boldness and courage to stand for you in a world that is so ungodly. And God, make them students of your word and give them a faith that is rooted and grounded in the truth. In Jesus' name, we ask it. Amen. 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 Thank God. Thank you guys so much for for being with us today. It's been a it's been an honor to have you. Thank you. It's been an honor to be here. Thank you very much. You've been listening to a ministry mentorship podcast with Jacob Tapia. Find out more about this resource by going to ministrymentorship.com where you'll find more interviews, inspirational quotes, and other resources to help you develop your ministry. Thanks for listening and God bless.